I found myself, as I thought, plunged right into hell. I realised that it was the Lord's will that I should see the place which the devils had prepared for me there and which I had merited for my sin, St. Teresa of Avila. Dear Smirigat, God and Mary to you. You're listening to the Meditation and Mental Prayer podcast, Catholics Talking to God. episode, our meditation will centre on how the Archangel Lucifer offended God and the degree of God's just wrath against him. We will endeavour to have our mental prayer carry us to the foot of the cross and pray into our relationship of love between us and God's mercies toward us. Now, if at any time during meditation, God calls you deeper into his love, let go and let God. Constantly as you meditate, apply the meditation to your life and your intimate love of God. As it were, throw your thoughts into God. You know how Jesus has taught you to do that. There is a dangerous character thwarting our journey toward the narrow gate and impeding our struggle to squeeze through that narrow door. You've guessed it. It's our arch enemy. When I call him the devil, he seems more like a Halloween myth that is hard to believe in. But when I call him Satan, I'm frightened. And when I call him Lucifer, I'm thrown into confusion. When he's labelled Lucifer, I see him standing out in the heaven, the beautiful creation of God, shining like the brightest star in the sky. And I know that he knows God better than I do. And I find that bewildering. So who is this creature that was once enthroned in heaven with the brightest angel? This creature that is so bright and shining that he considered himself to be better than the Son of God made man. We know that this was all about pride and pride in his intelligence. Because Lucifer has a pride and a scorn for Jesus Christ. And it was because Jesus Christ was God become man. And of course Satan being filled with pride has a very low opinion of us. When Satan reveals himself in exorcisms, he has been heard to refer to our Lord as the weakling. Don't be upset by this, because when our Blessed Lady just looks at this fiend, he scurries away in terror. Now we gain our knowledge of the angels, both dark and light, from different sources. From the Bible, both the Old and New Testaments, from the saints and the fathers of the church, and from exorcisms. And we know from this information that Lucifer has such a great pride. God made angels as pure spirits with intelligence and free will. Psalm 103 verse 4 tells us, God makest thy angels spirits and thy ministers a burning fire. While God himself is a spirit, he has no division in his being, meaning that his judgments, his beauty, all his attributes are one fused concept and do not function separately. On the other hand, the angels' attributes act as separate functions. They even have a personality. We can deduce many truths from this piece of scripture. It's Psalm 8 verse 6 and it says, Thou hast made him, that's man, a little less than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honour. Here the Bible is talking about mankind and how God made man a little less than the angels. So that tells us a lot. 
If we examine the attributes of men, we can apply them to the angels. And obviously the angels have more attributes than we do because they are not impeded by a physical body. We know that angels like us have free will. In Job chapter 4 verse 18 it says, Behold, they that serve him are not steadfast, and in his angels he found wickedness. So they, angels, have a free will to choose between good and evil. And we know that some of them chose evil. So the Bible tells us that in his angels he found wickedness. What was this wickedness? What Isaiah describes is a profound pride, a scary if ludicrous arrogance. Isaiah 14, 13. And thou sayest in thy heart, I will ascend unto the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in the mountain of the covenant. So what did God do about this rebellion? The answer is in Revelation chapter 21, the very first verse. And there was a great battle in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and they prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, who is called the devil, and Satan, who seduces the whole world. We read in Isaiah chapter 14 verse 15, But yet thou shalt be brought down to hell and into the depths of the pit. In Jude chapter 1 verse 6, And the angels who kept not their principality, but forsook their own habitation, he hath reserved under darkness in everything chains unto the judgment of the great day. Find that very, very scary. He hath reserved under darkness in everlasting chains. It bears a great deal of meditation, and it continues. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, who didst rise in the morning? How art thou fallen to the earth that didst wound the nations? If we'd like to know a little bit about the place that Lucifer went to, we can read what Lucy of Fatima has told us. She tells us that Our Lady opened her hands once more. As she had done the two previous months, the rays of light appeared to penetrate the earth, and we saw, as it were, a vast sea of fire. Plunged in this fire, we saw the demons and the souls of the damned. The latter were all like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze. Having human forms, they were floating about in the conflagration, now raised into the air by the flames, which issued from within themselves. Together with great clouds of smoke, now they fell back on every side like sparks and huge fires, without weight or equilibrium, amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fright. It must have been this sight that caused me to cry out, as people said they heard me. The demons were distinguished from the souls of the damned by their terrifying and repellent likeness to frightful and unknown animals, black and transparent like burning coals. The vision only lasted for a moment, thanks to our good Heavenly Mother. Ignatian retreats often focus and encourage us to reflect on the terrible vengeance of God. We consider that God does not temper his judgment any less because there are huge numbers of sinners. If anything, he is more angry the more people sin. You know the way society believes that because everybody's doing it, it must be okay. No, that's not what God thinks. God doesn't change. If anything, he is more angry the more people sin. So there's no point in you or I thinking 
that there are so many committing the sins that God will forgive us. Another thing is that God's judgment is not influenced by the dignity or the high rank of those who he judges. And we're talking here priests, bishops, popes, if we think they might get off more lightly. And I often do. I can't imagine like a pope going to hell. Well, because he's a pope. As far as I'm concerned, he can do whatever he likes and not go to hell. I mean, how could God send him to hell? But of course, that's not how God thinks, is it? Remember how Jesus warned Peter, Satan has asked to try you. In fact, the more talents we are given, and I always think of the talents not as being able to bake a cake or build a house, but as the sacraments and the gifts of the Holy Roman Catholic Church. God's justice doesn't take into consideration the glory and the honour that Lucifer and the rebel angels were giving him. They were giving him great glory, remember, before they fell. So God didn't think, well, I need that back or I want that back, so I'll forgive them. Nope, he didn't forgive them and restore their glory. He said, straight to hell with you, Satan. Don't even look back. So let's not try to comfort ourselves thinking that God will overlook our sins and our rebellion because he needs us to spread his kingdom on earth. You'd be surprised how many people pray for healing for themselves and argue with God that he's losing out on their productivity while they're ill. And so he really ought to cure them. God's justice does not regard the place that the angels had occupied in his friendship and and in his heart. So we have to be careful never to be tempted to think well, you know, God loves me and he'll forgive me because he loves me and he has loved me in the past. I was talking to a born-again Protestant. This woman was in the process of ending her marriage and going to live with her boyfriend. I asked her, what about God? And she answered, he'll forgive me. Now, you might find this hard to believe, but God strikes without pity. And when you think about it, you'll agree. Because by the time he's got to striking, there's no doubt in his mind that it is deserved. We're in for a lot of striking on this earth very soon, and we all know this. But when we look at how it was the first sin of the angels and the awful judgment that came down on them, and of course that was because they were pure spirits and weren't impeded by flesh that pulls them this way and that. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, we read, Because the Lord our God He is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, a great God and mighty and terrible, who accepteth no person nor takes bribes. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Having meditated upon these things, we move into our prayer time. We move to the foot of the cross. Listen now and I'll read you an affectionate uh, prayer full of thoughts of love written by St. Bonaventure. And he says, My God, thou hast imprinted upon me thy adorable image, and for it I have substituted the frightful image of Satan. I see myself more horrible than Lucifer. He fell proudly, having no example of divine vengeance before him. I, after beholding his chastisement, have sinned contemptuously. Lucifer was once established in innocence. I have often been restored to innocence. Satan rose up against his creator, who had bestowed upon him his being, I against him who had repaired mine. Lucifer remains forever fixed in his malice of eternal retribution. I, a sinner, 
I'm ever fleeing from the mercy of God who calls me back. Satan abandoned a God who let him depart from him. I fly from God who comes to seek me. We both have sinned. He yet sinned against our God, and God did not call him to repentance. I, on the contrary, sinned against God, who died to save me. Caliloquy. Now looking at Jesus on the cross and praying your love for him, you do it as his friend and you acknowledge your faults and you ask for the grace to become more perfect. And we usually always end with thanksgiving and that big resolution to do better, especially with our particular fault that we're addressing. And the reason that we're going to do better is because we love Jesus so much. We love the Trinity so much and we want to be with them in heaven. God bless and thank you for listening.